Section 90 of Hidden Treasures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in March 2013. Hidden Treasures by Harry A. Lewis. Causes of Failure. Horace Greeley has truly said, If any man fancies that there is some easier way of gaining a dollar than by squarely earning it, he has lost the clue to his way through this mortal labyrinth, and must henceforth wander as chance may dictate. Look about you. How many there are who are determined to share all the good things of this world without exchanging an equivalent? They go into business, but are not content to wait patiently, adding one dollar to another, and thus rendering to mankind an equivalent for this wealth for which they are asking. This excessive haste to become rich is one of the most frequent causes of failure. When a young man has decided to work with a will, and to accumulate every dollar he legitimately can, he has made a long stride towards success. We do not deprecate a desire to be someone in the world, but we do most emphatically frown upon the desire to get wealth by speculation or illicit means. We most earnestly advise all young men to choose a calling, become thoroughly master of that calling, and then pursue that vocation to success, avoiding all outside operations. Another man who has dealt in stocks all his life may be able to succeed, but your business is to stick to your vocation until, if necessary, you fairly wring success from it. Moses Taylor was a successful merchant. He had long deposited with the city bank and was finally made its president. The late Commodore Vanderbilt often tried to induce him to enter into his grand speculations, but of no avail. At last the crash of fifty-seven came. The bankers called a meeting to discuss the situation. One bank after another reported drafts of from sixty to even ninety per cent of their specie. When Mr. Taylor was called, he replied, The city bank contained this morning four hundred thousand dollars. Tonight we had four hundred eighty thousand dollars. This was the kind of a bank president such principles made him. Hardly anything is more fatal to success than a desire to become suddenly rich. A businessman now counts his wealth by the thousands, but he sees a grand chance to speculate. This is a little risky, of course, but then the old adage, never venture, never have. I admit I may lose, but then all men are subject to loss in any business, but I am reasonably sure of gaining an immense amount. Why, what would folks think? I would be a millionaire. I would do so and so. Thus he indulges in this sort of reasoning, goes into a business of which he knows nothing, and loses all. Why wouldn't he? Men who have made a study of that business for years and who have amassed a fortune in it are daily becoming bankrupt. 
what an idiot a man makes of himself when he leaves a calling in which he has been eminently successful to embark in a calling which is at best uncertain and of which he knows nothing once for all let me admonish you if you would succeed never enter outside operations especially if they be of a speculative nature select a calling and if you stick to your calling your calling will stick to you frequent changes of business is another cause of failure but we have treated this subject quite thoroughly elsewhere in this work therefore it seems to us that to add more here would be superfluous true it is that some men have succeeded who have seemingly drifted about dr adam clark has said the old adage about too many irons in the fire conveys an abominable lie keep them all a-going poker tongs and all but dr clark seems to forget that the most of the people who try to follow his advice either burn their fingers or find their irons cooling faster than they can use them we cannot all be clerks if we try and to follow this method the most of us will fail but we can by following one line of procedure at last bring success extravagance of living is another prolific cause of bankruptcy a man imagines that by hiring a horse and driving in the park he will show people that he is as good as the neighbor who drives his own horse he deludes himself with the idea that this sort of extravagance will in the eyes of his fellow-men place him on an equal footing with millionaires dr franklin has truly said it is not our own eyes but other people's that ruin us it has been said that the merchant who could live on five hundred a year fifty years ago now requires five thousand in living avoid a penny-wise and pound-foolish custom a man may think he knows all about economy and yet be ignorant of its first principles for instance a businessman may save every imaginable piece of writing paper using all the dirty envelopes that come in his way this he does instead of using a neat letterhead and clean paper at a slight additional cost and vast gain in the influence which such a letter carries over the other some years ago a man stopped at a farmhouse overnight after tea he much desired to read but found it impossible from the insufficient light of one candle seeing his dilemma the hostess said it is rather difficult to read here evenings the proverb says you must have a ship at sea in order to be able to burn two candles at once she would as soon have thought of throwing a five-dollar bill into the fire as of setting the example of burning two candles at once this woman saved perhaps five or six dollars a year but the information she thus denied her children would of course outweigh a ton of candles but this is not the worst of it the businessman by such costly stinginess consoles himself that he is saving as he has saved a few dollars in letter paper he feels justified in expending ten times that amount for some extravagance the man thinks he is a saving man the woman is a saving woman she knows she is a saving woman she has saved five or six dollars this year in candles 
and so feels justified in buying some needless finery which could gratify nothing but the eye she is sure she understands economy yet she starves the mind to clothe the body in finery she is something like the man who could not afford to buy more than a penny herring for his dinner yet hired a coach and four to take it home saving by retail and wasting by wholesale nowadays we use kerosene and thus our light is both good and cheap but the principle remains wear the old clothes until you can pay for more never wear clothes for which you owe any one live on plainer food if need be greeley said if i had but fifty cents a week to live on i'd buy a peck of corn and parch it before i'd owe any man a dollar the young man who follows this principle will never be obliged to live on parched corn how few people keep an itemized account of their expenses spendthrifts never like to keep accounts buy a book post in it every night your daily expenditures in the columns one headed necessaries the others luxuries and you will find that the latter column will be at least double the former indeed in some cases it will exceed it ten times over it is not the purchase of the necessaries of life that ruin people but the most foolish expenditures which we imagine necessary to our comfort necessary to our comfort ah what a mistake is that as many a man will testify who is perpetually dunned by uneasy creditors it is the sheerest kind of nonsense this living on credit it is wicked yet a gentleman recently told the writer that he personally knew a clergyman who had been preaching for years on a salary exceeding seven hundred dollars per year and of late on twelve hundred per year yet this man of the gospel to-day owes his college debts a man loaned him money to go through school and he has never been able to repay that money although he has practised the most rigid economy stuff this man knows nothing of the first principles of economy in my opinion there are many clergymen who will have to answer for the sin of extravagance there are many more who will have to answer for the sin of slothfulness the bible says six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work ah there is a part of the commandments too often skipped flippantly over many a clergyman would be horrified if asked to do any labor on the seventh day but would be equally horrified if accused of sinning by attending to a foreign business thereby neglecting to do all his labor during the six other days god gave us ample time to do our work and it is a sin to leave any of it undone god expects a man to choose some calling and he also expects that man to master that calling and he expects him to do his utmost to excel in that calling no clergyman can spend four days out of a week in some foreign work and in the two remaining days thoroughly prepare himself for the sabbath work for two reasons one is he disregards the law of concentration divides his mind and thoughts hence loses force and influence the other that god does not approve of other than our best effort this preacher will occupy one hour in preaching a twenty-five minute discourse and then complain because people are not interested in his sermons 
we do not justify sabbath-breaking nor a lack of religious interest but the preacher who is unwilling to take any responsibility upon himself for such a state of things is lacking somewhere we speak of the clergyman simply as illustrative of our idea in this matter the same rule applies to the lawyer physician or merchant the mechanic artist or labourer if i was a day labourer building a stone wall i'd study my work and push it so vigorously that i would soon be if not the best at least one of the best workmen anywhere to be found strive to be an authority wasted opportunity there is the root of thousands of failures a recent paper states that nine-tenths of our young lawyers fail from lack of study here is a thought for the clergyman who thinks he should have a better place of course there are circumstances to be considered but the man of determination bends circumstances to his will a man imagines himself capable of filling a higher place than he does he imagines himself a webster a lincoln a garfield a spurgeon but vainly waits for circumstances to favour his deserved promotion look at spurgeon was he picked up bodily and placed in the pulpit he now stands upon no but he was full of the holy ghost and without thought of what he deserved began preaching in the street was talmage placed in the tabernacle because he was of real inferiority to other preachers no but he was original he borrowed from no one he did his best he fits the notch in which he is placed did people get down on their knees to beecher begging him to occupy plymouth church they recognized the necessity of concentration and although you see them in other fields at times skill it was not until they had mastered their first undertaking elihu burritt mastered over forty different languages by taking one at a time the writer in early youth learned a lesson which has ever been of inestimable benefit to him the next lessons would begin fractions something we never had taken we began to glance through that part of the book and soon became thoroughly convinced that we should never be able to master the intricacies at once becoming despondent coming home at night he spoke of his discouragement when his father set to work explaining the first principles thus step by step the stubborn principles were mastered and to-day if there is any part of arithmetic in which he excels it is in fractions never cross bridges until you come to them a man should plan ahead but he should be hopeful not confident should never borrow trouble and must avoid all extremes another cause of failure is the habit of endorsing without security no one should ever endorse any man's paper without security or an equivalent i hold that no man has a right to ask you to endorse his paper unless he can either endorse for you or give good security of course there are cases where a brother who is young and cannot give security can be helped into business but his habits must be his security and his duty is to have made his previous life a guarantee of his ability to safely conduct the business 
but even in such cases a man's first duty is to his family and he should never endorse even a brother's paper to a greater amount than he feels that he could reasonably lose a man may be doing a thriving manufacturing business another man comes to him and says you are aware that i am worth twenty thousand dollars and don't owe a dollar my money is all locked up at present in my business which you are also aware is today in a flourishing condition now if i had five thousand dollars today i could purchase a lot of goods and double my money in a few months will you endorse my note for that amount you reflect that he is worth twenty thousand dollars and therefore you incur no risk by endorsing his note of course he is a neighbor you want to accommodate him and you give him your name without taking the precaution of being secured shortly after he shows you the note cancelled and tells you probably truly that he made the profit expected by the operation you reflect that you have done him a favor and the thought makes you feel good you do not reflect possibly that he might have failed for every dollar that he was worth and you would have lost five thousand dollars you possibly forget that you have risked five thousand dollars without even the prospect of one cent in return this is the worst kind of hazard but let us see by and by the same favor is again asked and you again comply you have fixed the impression in your mind that it is perfectly safe to endorse his notes without security this man is getting money too easily all he has to do is take the note to the bank and as either you or he are considered good for it he gets his cash he gets the money for the time being without an effort now mark the result he sees a chance for speculation outside of his business a temporary investment of only ten thousand dollars is required it is sure to come back even before the note is due he places the amount before you and you sign in a mechanical way being firmly convinced that your friend is perfectly responsible you endorse his notes as a matter of course but the speculation does not develop as soon as was expected however it is all right all that is needed is another ten thousand dollar note to take up the former one at the bank before this comes due the speculation turns out a dead loss this friend does not tell you that he has lost one half his fortune he does not even tell you that he has speculated at all but he is now thoroughly excited he sees men all around making money we seldom hear of the losers he looks for his money where he lost it he gets you to endorse other notes at different times upon different pretenses until suddenly you are aware that your friend has lost all his fortune and all of yours but you do not reflect that you have ruined him as well as he has ruined you all this could have been avoided by your gentlemanly but businesslike bearing on the start if you had said you are my neighbor and of course if my name will be of use to you at the bank you can have it all i ask is security i do not at all distrust you or your plan but i always give security when i ask such a favor and i presume that you do too 
if you had simply asked security he could not have gone beyond his tether and possibly very likely would not have speculated at all what the world demands is thinking men let justice rule in all business transactions how many men would not waste another man's property but would waste that which belongs to his family ah we want more men who will recognize family demands for justice as well as other people's demands men who have the brains to comprehend that it is possible to cheat their own family as well as their neighbor another frequent cause of failure is a neglect of one's business there are many causes for this one thing is certain a man will attend to his business in proportion to the amount of interest he has in that business this applies to all vocations either in the professions business or manual labor if we see a man playing checkers day after day in some cornerstone although the game itself may be no harm still it is wrong for that man to waste valuable time then there are pools and billiards how many young men have been ruined for life and possibly eternally damned just by beginning a downward course at the billiard room there is a peculiar fascination in the game of pool or billiards which cannot be described of course it is only a game for the cigars yes that's it one habit leads to another the young man who smokes goes in and in one evening's fun wins fifteen or twenty cigars he argues that he has got smoking material for two or three days or a week for nothing but listen he plays pool for ten cents a game if he beats his opponent pays if his opponent beats he pays each game is distinct by itself and has no bearing on any previous game now if you play and win two out of three games right straight along you are steadily losing every game you lose is ten cents gone that you cannot possibly win back if you play twenty-five games and it won't take long for good players to do that in an evening and you win two out of three you will then be out at least eighty cents if you win twenty-four out of the twenty-five you would be out ten cents don't you see that the percentage is against the player you never heard of a man making anything playing pool or billiards unless he was in the business you have personally seen many young men working by the day who admit that they have spent from hundred to thousand dollars during the three to five days they had played now why is it some succeed while others fail there is one thing that nothing living ever naturally liked except a vile worm and that is tobacco yet how many people there are who cultivate this unnatural habit they are well aware that its use does harm it is a harder job to learn it than to learn to like castor oil yet they will persist in it until they learn to long for it young lads regret that they are not men they would like to go to bed boys and wake up men little charlie and harry see their fathers or uncles smoke if not then they see somebody's father or uncle puffing along the street taking comfort and they think that is one of the essentials of being a man so they get a pipe and fill it with tobacco 
and as the parents instead of persisting until they gain their affections slowly teaching them to detest wrong fly to pieces and say i will whip you if i see you doing that again so little charlie and harry get out behind the barn and light up by and by charlie says do you like it harry and that lad dolefully replies not very much it tastes bitter presently he turns pale and soon offers up a sacrifice on the altar of fashion but the boys stick to it and at last conquer even their appetites learning to prefer their quid to the most delicious peach i speak from personal knowledge for i have seen the time that i never felt prouder than when behind a five or ten cent cigar or meerschaum but that time is past with me and i never see a poor clerk going along the street puffing a cigar which he must know he can ill afford to buy but i think of what a man once said in speaking of a cigar it is a roll of tobacco with fire on one end and a fool on the other one cigar excites the desire for another hence the habit grows on a person these remarks apply with tenfold force to the use of intoxicants no matter how bountifully a man is blessed with intelligence if the brain is muddled and his judgment warped by intoxicating drinks it will simply be impossible for him to succeed to his utmost bounds at least orators for years have told you of the degradation and want that the social glass brings to us stories innumerable have been told of husbands leaving all they loved in this world to satisfy these unnatural desires one habit indulged leads to another we have seen how even the innocent habit of smoking may have an influence in deciding a young man to take the next step once in the billiard-room it is not hard to see how the young can be led on to drink first one thing then another we will say nothing of cards card-playing gambling is only the natural result of these other evils that is they tend that way they go with it and it goes with them where one is found you will often find the other the coroner can tell you more about the results of bad habits than i can to those who today may be so unfortunate as to be under the fascination of any habit let me say that you can overcome that habit and learn to detest it too young man you desire to be rich and succeed but you disregard the fundamental principles of success hence fail why wouldn't you you might as well expect to build a fine house without a foundation you desire to gain wealth yet you spend twenty days every day on one extravagance or another which with interest would amount to over nineteen thousand dollars at the end of fifty years there is food for thought for you when you again wish to yourself that you were rich and then take ten cents out of your pocket in the shape of a cigar and proceed to burn it up just let the thought pass through your mind what a fool i make of myself every day a man recently told the writer that he spent one dollar every day in treating and smoking he is an ice dealer in new york city and has done a good business for thirty years 
i cannot say how long he has been spending this dollar a day but i do know that one dollar earned each day with interest will make a man worth over four hundred seventy five thousand dollars within fifty years there is enough wasted by the average person within twenty-five years to make any family well off the pennies are wasted in the desire to get the dollars the dollars are not half so essential to success as the pennies the old saying honesty is the best policy is surely true in more ways than one there is more ways than one to succeed in this world a man may succeed in national honor and yet have little of this world's goods many a congressman who has but little money who sometimes feel the need of money would not exchange places with a rothschild but it is not necessary to be either a rothschild or a webster in order to succeed it is a question in my mind whether that man who has lived wholly for self is happy even though he be rich as croesus or as honoured as demosthenes therefore let us not entirely lose sight of the fundamental law of success do unto others as you would have them do to you put yourself in his place what is success it is doing our level best it is the making the most of our abilities if we do not do this we both sin and lose the goal of earthly happiness and is it too late no for time is a fiction and limits not fate thought alone is eternal time thralls it in vain for the thought that springs upward and yearns to regain the pure source of spirit there is no too late end of section 90 end of hidden treasures by harry a lewis